Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, and I'm joined today by Colleen Ellis. She's a pet loss expert and has been helping pet owners cope with grief and loss since 1998. She started the nation's first standalone pet funeral home. She's been deemed the most well-known pet funeral director and a true pet loss pioneer. She founded Two Hearts Pet Loss Center in 2009 to help people to provide a meaningful death care experiences for their community. And that's why I'm here today. I wanted to talk to us about creating an experience for the end rather than just looking at it as an event. So welcome, Colleen. Molly, thank you. I can't wait to be with you this morning. Yeah, I think we're going to have some fun. First of all, I, I want to talk about what it is that you do. Being a funeral director of pets versus people, are is it the same? Are there regulations the same? What's what's that like? You know what, Molly? First of all, let's talk about the why. Why why am I this thing? Um, I think that may make a little more sense for everybody and then it'll then we can springboard from there. So let's let's go back. I want to go back to about 2002 and and I had uh, I had this little girl and she was, you know, all the words that we use. She was my daughter, she was my only child, she was all those things and she just happened to have four legs fur and some floppy ears. So I know all of our listeners can can uh, relate to that. But uh, I was in the funeral business and had been in the funeral business since um, I graduated from college in 1997. And or, I'm sorry, 1987. Oh, look at me being wishful thinking. <laughs> Holy cow, because I always say that I'm, I'm 33 years in death care and I just don't know where that number came from. But nonetheless, it's been the best 33 years of my life. And so the first part was in the human funeral industry. And as this uh, this little creature was aging and and now had been diagnosed with lung cancer, and I started looking around Molly, and I wanted to know where are the little funeral homes that were going to treat her like I knew we treated people, and we're going to treat me like I knew we treated grieving people, and I didn't find that. And so when she died in two thousand and three. I just, I threw caution to the wind and we started the first standalone pet funeral home in the country. And what I mean by that is I didn't have a crematory. I didn't have a cemetery. My little funeral home was meant for people to come in and to pay tribute to their pet, to have a visitation, to have a service, to, to get grief support, to do whatever they needed to do to honor their precious love. And it all I wanted, Molly, all I wanted was the experiential aspect of saying, you know what, we're going to treat this little thing like we treat people. And if we need to have wine toast, if you need to bring in your Jewish traditions, if you need to bring in your Catholic traditions, if you need to bring in your family traditions, or if you didn't have any traditions because you grew up in those households where big boys don't cry, and all you wanted was to ball over that little pussycat then you were going to be safe in my facility. You could come in and you could do whatever you needed to do. 
And where is this? Where did you open this? It was on the north side of Indianapolis in a little in a little community called Carmel, Indiana. And that very first pet funeral home um, that I founded, which I'm still so proud of today, was Pet Angel Memorial Center. And again, I founded it completely off of the premise that people, they wanted to have their pets treated like people. They wanted to have a place where they could be safe and they could sit in the presence of somebody, i.e. me, and, and, and know that I would create a safe space for them physically, virtually, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is that, that they needed to honor a little pet. And what was interesting, Molly, is when, when I founded that little pet funeral home, it was right at the, at the very beginning of pet ownership increasing within our, within our, our United States. And so I had a lot of people who would come into me, tear-filled eyes, and say to me, this is my first, first cat. I never knew you could love an animal like this. And it, and it was just so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And from that day of opening those doors, my big thing is to give the safe space to people who, who, who not only grieve, and I listened to your, your podcast by, uh, with Diane Pomerantz, and people grieve. Oh, my goodness, they grieve. And, and grief is what we feel on the inside. And what I found is people grieve for animals, but what they're shamed for is mourning, which is the physical expression of our grief. And so people come around and they say, why are you crying? It's just a cat. Why are you crying three days later? It's just a dog. And and they continue to say that. We're on, on the other hand, these same people are saying, guys, this, this kitty cat's all I have. This is the only thing that loves me or the only thing that gives me unconditional love. All the words, you know, the words, Molly, Mm -hmm. people just wanted that permission, permission to do what society says maybe is weird right and and especially now with with all of us so shut up with with covid and staying at home we don't have all those human interactions that we're so used to so our pets are even fulfilling a much bigger role in our lives right now and and Mm -hmm. that loss is so intensified when you lose them during a time like this Exactly. And you know that, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about before March of 2020 and, and after March of 2020, because before March of 2020, you know, we had, we had other luxuries, if you will, and in saying goodbye to our pets. And I'm getting ready to do a talk at a, at a conference. And the talk is going to start off like this. There are cans in the cans. Okay. And so right now we have so many cans when it comes to death and loss. We can't be with our pets in some situations. We can't walk in and hold them. We can't do this. We can't do that. And and what I want to tell our pet lovers is there's always a can in the can't. And so if if you're approaching that time of, of saying goodbye to a precious love, there are there are so many things you can do. You can do a bucket list. And in our in our discussion, you and you and I, Molly, I said, you know what? Pet loss should not be it should not be an event. Pet loss should be an experience. Every death should be an experience. And the experience is, I want you to stand tall. I want you to I, I want you to look over the life and the in the the goal I always have in working with a family who's facing the loss of a of a precious love. The goal I always have with a family is I want you to look back on this time six months from now and I want you to say 
the end was perfect. The end was perfect. And so right now what I want to talk about with, with a family is what did they like to do? What are the things that you can do right now that when you look back on this time, you can say there, there isn't a coulda, shoulda, woulda. There isn't anything I wish I would have done. There isn't anything that we, that we, that we said no to, because when, when we get to the end, we've got to understand there's many times that we move from cure to care. We move from cure to care. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, And, and a lot of that too, I think what you're talking about, it, it helps us. It relieves us of grief and guilt after. You know, it doesn't relieve us of guilt. And I, and I, I'm going to say that because we are going to have grief. Okay. And listen, we may have a little guilt, but what I want you to do is I want you to do the things that'll help you eliminate the guilt of saying, I wish I'd have given him that sandwich. I wish I'd have given him the chocolate that he loved. I wish I would have given him, I wish I'd have gone through McDonald's 19,000 times and gotten McNuggets every time I went through. I, I wish I would have let him bark at the UPS guy one more time, whatever it is. I want you to say, here's what we're going to do. I'll, and I'll give you a really simple thing. Okay. I, I was up in Canada working with a, a pet loss, um, a hospice, animal hospice and palliative care operationing uh, uh, up in that area. And a veterinarian uh, uh, was getting ready to go out to assist the family to say goodbye to their precious kitty cat. And so I asked her, I said, I, I want to, I want to ask you a question. What did you learn in the phone call that you had with that family? What did you learn that they said to you that the kitty cat loved or they're going to miss? Tell me, tell me a nugget. And she said, well, one of the things that this family, she said it was really odd that they threw this in there, but they did. She said the kitty cat absolutely loved her husband's socks. <laughs> and it was her husband, her husband's socks. And so I said, might I ask you, when you go out to help that family say goodbye to that kitty cat, what I would do is I would ask them to pull the husband's sock drawer out of the, out of the dresser and to set it on the floor and to euthanize that kitty cat in the in the sock drawer. And that's mm. what they did, Molly. And so can you imagine that family seeing their precious kitty cat in this sock drawer, a place that he loved, and to know that when he went out, he was surrounded by everything he loved, from his people to his things. Mm-hmm. How sweet that is. Isn't yeah. that beautiful? Yeah. So do you work with a lot of veterinarians? Is that is that one of your primary audiences then since they are usually doing the euthanasia and providing the the disposal or cremation services? So I work, work with three groups of people. I work with pet parents who are looking for a little bit of support and also, you know, maybe some some conversations like what I just had with with that veterinarian. I have those same conversations with a family. I'll tell you another story in a minute. I work with veterinarians and I'm really, really actively involved with the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care. And so I'm an executive director for that association and work very, very closely with our membership, which is over 900 veterinarians, vet techs, interdisciplinary team members, such as social workers, Reiki members, anybody that would provide support to a family during that time. I'm 
very actively involved with that group. And then the third group of people that I work with is I do a lot of consulting and I do a lot of speaking within the funeral industry and in particular, the pet funeral industry, obviously, and uh, am founder of an association called the Pet Loss Professionals Alliance. And so I really touch into all three of those camps and to help people really stand a lot taller when it comes to pet loss. And again, do what we can do to treat it as an experience, not an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. Now, what are some of the things that we can do to create an experience? Like like you gave us an example, making sure that the pet gets to do all the things that they love to do when you know the end is inevitable. Of course, I think we should treat them like that every day. <laughs> no. No, wait to the end, but yeah. spoil and indulge them in, in behaviors they love to do, especially with cats when those are natural behaviors. But other than indulging them in those things that they loved when you know the end is near, what are some other things that help create an experience around that? You know, there's a variety of things, not only indulging them, but, but let's also remember when it comes to animal hospice, let's just talk about that for a second, okay? And and we all know what human hospice is. Human hospice is, you know, honoring the, the wishes of a dying person, right? I don't want to die in a hospital. I want to die at home or whatever it may be. For pets, animal hospice is more about me getting ready. It's It's more about me being able to look back and say, without a shadow of a doubt, Molly, I did everything. I did everything. And and even if I go into a, into an appointment and I know I'm facing this end, I also want pet lovers to have the permission to find the veterinarian or to ask their veterinarian these questions, okay? What is happening right now with my pet in the end because I I may want I may not want euthanasia. I may want hospice supported natural death and talk to your veterinarian about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I say, Hey, listen, I know that given his disease that I'm probably going to have to make a call for him. Okay. I just, I euthanized almost a year ago, our little guy that he was a, a Yorkie Chihuahua. And for anybody that knows anything about those two breeds, you know, they're sassy. And for his 16 years of life, my husband and I said, he is going to go out like he lived and he is going to make it difficult on us. And he, <laughs> he totally did. So we were eyes wide open. We knew that. Okay. But, but point being is ask your veterinarian the questions, tell them, I don't want euthanasia. I want you to help me with palliative care because I need to get myself ready. I need to get myself ready. There's some things I still need to do, okay? So whether it's taking a day, I'll tell you my other story, which I just love this story. I was a young girl, and I, I kind of sort of don't remember even talking to her, Molly. And she apparently had shared with me her, her doggy's end was coming near. And so I had that conversation with her about stand up, look tall, and say, Put yourself out six months from now and say, how do I make the end perfect? Well, months later, I see her at a, at a veterinary conference and she shares a story with me. She says, Colleen, the end was perfect. The end was perfect. And the weekend prior, this is what she did. The weekend prior, she had gone to one of those um, paint with a twist, you know, where you paint, you drink mm-hmm. and paint. There's a, what, what a beautiful business model. Are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. And I painted the doggy's picture. 
And that was the first step. The next two days, she did bucket list things. Okay. They, they, she had a whole bucket list. They, they, a variety of things. Come Wednesday was the day that she had selected. So Wednesday morning, she goes out into her driveway and she takes sidewalk chalk and she, and she does a rainbow in her driveway. Friends, family, groomers, veterinarians, everybody comes over, say their goodbye to the, the doggy. And what she asked them was walk through the rainbow when you come over. The time came, the veterinarian came to the home. They took the doggy out, euthanized the doggy in the rainbow and did the proverb, proverbial walking across Rainbow Bridge. And then she took the doggy back in, put Lightern State under the picture that she had painted and kept her home for a couple of days and had a visit. Oh. Is, is that so? So she says to me through, through tears, through just sobbing tears, she was like, thank you for telling me to stop and think a minute about what I really needed. And she said, clean, the end was perfect. So I want you to stand tall. And even though we indulge them in, in everything, on the, on the final day, our little doggy loved, he loved the sunshine and he wasn't walking and he wasn't, you know, he, he didn't have his, his, the wherewithal of his whereabouts, but we took him out in the sun and we knew he enjoyed that. Now, Molly, I want to tell you another one. One of the things when I work with a family, one of the things that I am really insistent about, and you've already heard me mention it a couple of times, is to have people either keep their pet at home or take them home with them. And to give yeah. them, slow the roll, slow the roll a little bit, okay? There's no reason to move forward and, and to go quickly. And what I love about it is, is a couple of things. Number one, it gives my family the opportunity to do our rituals and to say goodbye in the manner that's right for us. Number two, I can't tell you how much peace I have knowing that I can wake up the next day and he's still there because I'm not quite ready yet. I'm not quite ready to say goodbye to that beautiful body. Okay. Number three and kitty cats, I think are the most prominent in their, in their demonst in their demonstration of this. But number three, if you have other animals at home, it allows them to do what nature, which nature teaches them to do. They're organic grievers, they're organic mourners. And so let's give them the opportunity to say goodbye as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very important. I think very important and it's beautiful and it's perfect. And there's no reason, there's no reason. And don't let anybody tell you that there is a reason that they need to take that pet from you, that you can't take that pet home. That I hate to be cold and crass here, but that pet is your property. You can do whatever you want with that pet and don't let anybody tell you any different. Well, and most vets will come to your home nowadays, and and you know if if you want to euthanize at home, that yeah. is certainly an option. You don't have to take them into, you know, an, an office, a cold office, where especially with cats, you know, they're so they're such homebodies and they're so territorial. You know, taking them to the vet is a is a awful experience for them on a good day. Yeah, exactly. And and whatever we can do to keep them calm. I mean, what a better place than their own home environment to be when when this happens and to have their surroundings and to be in the sock drawer, whatever it is. You know, it's it's just beautiful. And those are the experiential components that I want 
that I want our listeners to have permission to do. You know what I find interesting when it comes to pet loss and pet grief? All of the rules of society for what you do with pet loss and pet grief are, are, are written by non-pet lovers. They're mm. the ones that say it's just a cat. You shouldn't be crying that hard. You'll never hear a pet lover say that to you. Right. <laughs> You're a pet lover. Well, it's what? like a single person telling you, oh, get over it. It was just your husband. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? I, Molly, I can't tell you how many times I've said, you know what? I still, because one thing that we hear as pet lovers when we lose a pet is, are you going to get another one? Right. And I say, I, if I've said it once, I've said it 10,000 times. I stood by my mother at my father's casket, and not one person came up and said, you know, you should get another. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> that's her. But we say it's pet lovers all the time. <laughs> yeah, we even talk to them about how fast they should get another one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. Oh, but it's just having that permission, permission, permission to do what you need to do from rituals to grief to mourning to crying. So whatever it is and permission to feel guilty. I never talk anybody out of feeling guilty. Never. It's their emotion and they need to own it. They'll come to grips with it when the time is right. But I don't ever talk anybody out of feeling guilty. I you don't. Know, on your, on your blog, I, I saw, I think it was on your blog, somewhere on your site. I saw a picture of a, what looked like a, a, maybe not a priest, but a minister up on a, on a podium and pictures of a cat, like, like a normal funeral service for a human would be. Is mm -hmm. that, tell me what that was. You know, I'm drawing a blank on exactly which I want because I've written so many blogs, but I tell you what I'm finding is that whether it's, you know, whether it's ministers or priests, I mean, think about it in October, it's a feast of St. Francis and we have pet blessings. Mm -hmm. so those, yeah. and, and those and obviously other religions do too I'm Catholic so I just happen to mention that one but whether it's animal celebrants which animal chaplains that's becoming a really large uh, movement out there right now and people turning to folks like that that can help assist in, in creating a service and actually even going through it and I love doing pet funerals I gotta tell you I had a and it was for a little kitty cat named Vincent I'll never forget Vincent and it was a beautiful ceremony I had created the most beautiful uh, altar we had his urn present I can't tell you how many flowers came for Vincent's mommy uh, Vicki I'll never forget her too but it was really interesting, Molly. I had a, a, a person come up to me after Vincent's service and had a little bit of tear in their eye. And she said to me, she said, I have a, uh, I have a confession to make. And uh, of course, you never know where that's going to go, right? <laughs> and she said, I have a confession to make. She said, I, I came to this funeral today because she said, I've never been to a funeral for a cat. And she said, I just, I was kind of curious. And so that's kind of why I came today. And I looked at her and I said, that's all right. And I said, so tell me what you think. And she teared up even more, Molly. And she said, all I can hope is that my funeral is as beautiful as this funeral was for Vincent. <laughs> Do you love that? <laughs> that's precious. And I, I wish there were places, where do people go? Like if someone really wants to have a a more of a traditional funeral service for their pet, where would, where would they even begin to find resources for that? 
you know, you can do a couple things within each of the communities. There, there are pet crematories. Some of them have started to change their name to memorial centers or pet loss centers or pet memorial centers, something like that, because they want to they want to let their communities know that they're more than just cremation or more than just burial. And so they they put that out there, make some phone calls. You know, you can you can check, just do the search engines with pet funeral home, pet cremation, pet cemetery and see what's what's in your local community. Just like if you're wanting to find a, a veterinarian that comes to your home, the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care, they've got a resource directory. And so you can search that directory and see who's who's in your neighborhood, who's in your community that might be able to do that as well. So it's just done some sort. But at the end of the day, Molly. Your listeners can can reach out to me and say, "Hey, listen, I'm in uh, I'm in XYZ community. Who might help me?" And uh, I've got a, a fairly good pulse on the United States and in the facilities around the country that I I can guide most people to. So I'm here as a resource. I don't I don't want to just get this our, our interview over and say that I'm not out there to help and be a resource because I am a resource. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would say to all our listeners, if you have an older or sick pet for sure. And, and, and even if you have a very young, healthy pet, it's never too, too early to, to check out Colleen's site. She's no. got a great blog and lots of resources there. And it's two hearts. It's T W O two hearts petlosscenter.com. So be sure to check that out too. Yeah. And I wanted to say too, you know, I, I met you through an introduction from Justin, the founder of Parting Stone, who was on Cat Talk Radio a couple of weeks back. And what a wonderful thing they're doing in creating an alternative to ash remains. You know, the solidified stones are so beautiful. And I guess you two had known one another at one point or... Yeah, um, it, exactly. Yes. And I, again, I have a fairly good pulse on what's going on in the industry and uh, Justin's product. What a beautiful product. And I think that's what's really interesting right now is, is our industry is really moving to this fact that we, that we know that one, one size doesn't fit all. And so whether it's a beautiful product like Justin has with the parting stones, there are so many things that people can do with ashes right now that, you know, everybody's got different lifestyles and everybody's got different decorating styles and everybody's got different beliefs on what you do with ashes and, and you know, how they're going to be permanently memorialized, whether it's the parting stones or turning the ashes into diamonds or making them into a coral reef or it, blowing them into space and, and sending them up in that. Man- There's so many things, Molly, that can be done right now that, again, are for each individual situation and and everybody's unique relationship that they have with their pet. It's just so really interesting and cool right now. Hmm. Those are interesting. And do you talk about some of those on your, on your blog and your site? You can find those things as well. Yes. Yes. So on my site, I've got some of those listed. I've got some stuff even on my social sites where if I stumble upon, you know, some new resources and things like that, my uh, Two Hearts Pet Loss Center Facebook page is loaded with those things. And um, yeah, I just, I really try to make sure that my, my role as a voice and my role as being a resource is getting that information out and educating people because let's face it, Molly, we don't wake up on a really pretty bright sunshiny morning and say, I'm going to go get educated on death today. You know, <laughs> on a bad day. I know that's definitely something we reserve until we oh. have to. 
<laughs> not only do we reserve it, we put our head in the sand and go, you know what? If I die, if I now when when I win the lottery, but if I die, <laughs> just funny, funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And it, yeah. and it, yeah, you know, like I have a new kitten that's six months old, and you know, I don't think about. I don't think about his death, you know, now it's still, I, I had a cat of 15 years that passed in February. And of course, you know, th this topic was, was very sensitive leading up to that. Mm -hmm. But with my little six month old kitten, I don't, you know, I don't think about that. I don't, I'm like, ah, that's, that's years down the line, right. you know? Yep. Yep. But again, when I, whether it's years down the line or, you know, you look down and you see a gray face where, you know, you used to not see a gray face and it's to say the question, ask yourself the question, listen, when this happens, when this happens. And I go so far as to have conversations with people. Let's talk about ashes again. You know, I go so far as to talk about them with them and say, when you die, what will happen to this urn? What will happen to these parting stones? What will happen to this? Because so many people haven't communicated with their children or their loved ones or whatever. And you've got pieces like that that are ending up in goodwill. And so let's let's also face our own mortality. My husband and I, I've got the urns right up here on my shelf next to me in my office. And Miko, who my first pet funeral home was for, Miko will go with me. And she's mine. And the other babies, we've got a very large human urn. And all of the babies are in one urn. And we'll continue to be in one urn until we need to get the second urn. And when uh, whoever goes first, whoever goes first between my husband and I, those babies will go with them because we don't want to run the risk that the kids forget or don't know where they're at or whatever. But those little babies will go with us and they'll be with us forever. And if we're cremated, we're kind of still back and forth on what we're going to do. But if we're cremated, they'll be recremated with us and then we'll be together. So the conversation is, listen, I don't like these rules either, but I didn't write them. So don't shoot the messenger. And, and that is going to happen. And you live in an area where there is one of the most prominent death doulas is what she calls herself. And, and you've got things around the country, such as have a talk of a lifetime. There are death care cafes popping up everywhere. And so it's it's this opportunity to say, and I'm and I'm I give this to you as well. I did a pod, another podcast the other day, and I said, listen, let me tell you something. I stood for something in life, and it was about animal advocacy. Okay, and so when I die, for me to not have a crescendo to that legacy that I lived my life for, which was animal advocacy, for me to use my funeral as that crescendo is exactly what I'm going to do. At my funeral, you can only get in if you have a donation to a shelter. You can only get in if mm -hmm. you come. And, and by the way, you can bring your animals, okay? And so absolutely. Can, absolutely. <laughs> and so you better come in, and we are going to use my funeral as the biggest fundraiser that I'll have of my entire lifetime. And that will be my kick as I leave this world and my, my legacy that I leave behind. And for anybody to not want to do that, I find that very sad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true. It's it's such an opportunity to to leave to leave your legacy instead Absolutely. of just 
quietly leaving. <laughs> no, no, I'm going with a bang, sissy. And exactly. let me you, oh, let me tell you something. Here's the other sign that's going to be at my funeral. You better ball your eyes out. I'm not going to have any of this nonsense that says don't cry at my funeral. You better ball your eyes out because I want I want to know you're going to miss me. And you can walk in, you can go to one side of the room and there's going to be beer and pizza and you can tap into the other side of my girl which is wine wine and cheese. So <laughs> I want you to ball your eyes out. And then I want you to reach in your pocket. I want you to reach deep because we got some animals we need to protect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully those days are well into the future. Yep. I hope so too. But one never knows. Well, anything you want to say in closing today? What I want to say in closing is, should your support system that you have for our listeners out there. Should your support system be people that don't get you, possibly not your tribe and don't understand the human animal bond. I want you to know you are not alone. And whether it's Molly or it's me or it's countless other resources that I can point you to across the country. I want you to know that there is somebody out there that gets you number one, number two, and somebody who will give you permission to do what you need to do to honor a, a precious, precious love. Because at the end of the day, life is not opposite of death. Birth is opposite of death. And there was a life that was lived, a life that was loved, and a life that was shared. We got to honor the journey. Yep, definitely. And as we talked, there, um, the uh, parting stones. We we have uh, set up an arrangement with with Justin, where we're Cat Behavior Solutions is an affiliate to Parting Stones, and they will make a donation to our nonprofit if you uh, look at their site and buy their products through our links. So if you want to see those, they're very beautiful. It's definitely worth looking at. I have that set up at stones.cattalkradio.com. So as we said, um, thank you for being with us today, Colleen. And to all our listeners, please find Colleen, Two Hearts Pet Loss Center, Dot com and also find her on Facebook and follow Cat Behavior Solutions on Facebook. We both are dedicated to providing resources for you and your pets. And um, I'm sure you're on Instagram too, right? Yeah, I am. Totally. I'm on every social platform out there. So find me, find me. And, and don't on my Facebook, gosh, don't friend me. My personal life is so boring. So find the two hearts page because that's the exciting one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being here today. And, you know, as long as shelter euthanasia is the number one cause of death in cats, I'll be here giving you useful information to improve life with your cat and uh, keep its behavior to where it's tolerable so that they don't end up in shelters and we benefit all of the poor babies that do. So until next time, keep calm and purr on. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.